Welcome to the Explosion Network's exploration of Studio Ghibli. Each week we'll be discussing one of the films from within the library of the celebrated animation studio. This is Studio Ghibli's Animated Wonders. My name is Dylan Blight, and joining me to discuss today's animated wonder is Kieran Marchant. Hi. Wow, okay, that was... I don't know why that caught me off guard so much then. That was... Uh, it's literally a 50-50 <laughs> shot if I intro you. First. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was, just, it was just straight in there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great movie from Studio Ghibli. There you go. And also, Ashley Hobley. Hey, Dylan, excited to be here to talk about moving castles. That's the name moving of the castle. Specifically. Castle singular. Castle. Well, technically, yeah. there's castle. two different types of moving castles in this film. <gasps> Spoiler yeah. alert. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. All right. I see Is you, it? actually, Hobley. Technically. I don't get it. Well, technically, it technically? Re- rebuild it the second, like, the second time. I guess, but it's the same castle. Well, is it though? Because they don't have freaking uh, the the it flies. <laughs> no, well, no. It he flies came back, time. so still. Yeah. So there you go. Same castle. Anyway, uh, today's episode we are talking about. In case you haven't guessed by all that castle stuff, how's <laughs> uh, moving castle? Uh, directed by Hayao Miyazaki, written by Hayao Miyazaki, based on the novel by Diana Wynne Jones. It stars Chiko Baisho, Takuma Kimura. Akihara Miwa, Tatsuo Gashun, Ryunosuke Kamiki. It was released in 2004. The synopsis for the film is when an unconfident young woman is cursed with an old body by a spiteful witch. Her only chance of breaking the spell lies with her self-indulgent yet insecure young wizard and his companions in his legged walking castle. That is a synopsis of a film. For sure. <laughs> From master filmmaker Hayao Miyazaki, the director of the Academy Award-winning *Spirited Away*. Ash, how, how do you feel about *Howl's Moving Castle*? Uh, I really love this. It was great. Um, great story, great animation, great character design. Uh, everything we've come to expect from the best of Studio Ghibli is in here. Um, great characters, yeah. Uh, just think it's one of the best we've watched so far. Wow, that really sounds like you think it's one of the best of the best of the best we've watched. So yeah, far. pretty close. <laughs> um, Karen, have you you'd seen this one before? Right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, how how do you feel about it? This movie's stunning, and I always forget how like beautifully animated this movie really is, and the the landscapes and the character design of this movie um i love the character of how so much and i always i don't know why but every time i watch it i just kind of the first scene of her his interaction is just so good that i'm like oh yeah this this character is really interestingly written and really well laid and i've really enjoyed the whole kind of experience it's one of those movies where they they give you a lot of questions and not many answers, but just kind of deal with that fact and enjoy the whole movie. Um, and yeah, it's a really enjoyable narrative and story, and it's a beautiful journey. Um, I think this movie is kind of a beautiful mess, is the way I'd describe it. <laughs> like, I really enjoy it. I think it's 
really good, and I, th- I, th- I believe it was the second Ghibli movie I ever saw, which would make sense. I Definitely. believe it's, I. It's the, the two, the two most popular. Uh, this and uh, Spirited Away. Mm. It's very popular. Era, I mean, I mean, yes. When we were growing up and stuff, it was kind of you know we're not all fifty eight, Ashley. Um, we these His the age two. goes up every time. I, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you, I don't see any like uh, moving castle toys, but I see a hell of a lot of Totoros. Yeah, All I'm saying. That's fair, but mm. um, although I would, but, I would kill for a castle, castle plushie. That'd be cool. Ha- castle plushie? No, the califer. Cal- oh, calcifer. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just think. I think the. The script is all over the place in a lot of ways. And I think if he had handed over this for someone else to direct, a less talented director, this movie would possibly just be an absolute train wreck because there are so many sort of elements and threads introduced. Not many of them ever go anywhere. And in a lot of ways, the movie is a lot of, hey, there's a war going on. And then, like, all the other movies, usually it's like, okay, war. Like, that's going to be a big part of the plot. They never go anywhere with that. The movie's not about the war at all, except for it's constantly telling you that there is a war going on. Except for every character in the movie wants nothing to do with the war. So you never mm. get to see anything about it. And that's weird. And I, th- I think a lot of the problems come from the fact that just the characters in themselves, and this, like, t- comes to be one of the, the sorts of themes of the movie, is that all of the characters are kind of running away from their problems and not running towards them which is why we're never really running towards any sort of uh a lot of times the action stuff you want to see potentially or, or what pieces you want to see happen i guess and these sorts of things but there's just I, I i'm not saying i'm not shitty on the movie i'm just saying like it, it does work however the movie is a mess i think on in there's a lot of like threads that, there's a lot of threads where some of them are just like we're not answering this thread sorry movie's over good luck or Oh, uh, here's a quick resolution to that war story by this random character. Go. It's like, well, okay, right. We, we're, we're going all over the place here. Um, but you still kind of just lovingly forgive it for its, you know, shortcomings in storytelling sometimes because of just the overall story that it tells and the experience that it is as a movie. So I want to point out one of the key factoids about this movie that you can find out if you do any sort of two-minute Google search and look it, look it up. The novel it's based on is quite longer than this movie. Like, it's got a lot of material to work from. And one key factor that is missing from this adaptation that's in the original is that um, the main ca- oh, What's the fuck's in it? What's the main character's name? Sophie. Uh, Sophie. Sophie's a witch in the novel who doesn't isn't aware of her powers. And although... The movie hints at this possibly, and if you rewatch all of this, knowing this, which I knew this mm. watching it this time already, I, I do think you can subtly hit, pick up potentially where they're trying to hint at that. But it's really weird to, I think, not include that since a big part of the book apparently is her not knowing she has these powers, yet she, like, for instance, will whisper stuff into hats. And be like, oh, you're going to be a great hat for this person because he's a banker and you'll make sure they earn heaps of money or something. And then all of a sudden the person wears the hat and they start doing really good at their job. And it's just like that's the sort of the direction the book goes. And then also the whole thing of her bringing to life um, Turniphead is like it's supposed to 
in the book is like she can bring inanimate objects sort of to life and because she is a witch she can bring that power to life and then some of the stuff especially towards the end of the movie where she's doing sort of a lot mystical uh, supernaturally whatever you want to call it type stuff like diving through history traveling to the past <laughs> you know all this sort of stuff that's going on she's only able to pull that off because she actually has power in herself even if she's not aware of it that kind of thing so uh, how do you feel about the fact that they Miyazaki purposely chooses to not include a potentially big part from the the source material. I think it's uh it's an interesting decision. I think maybe this movie was already such a beautiful mess of things that maybe he understood that there were still so many threads that weren't getting answered. It was like I don't want to add more information on top of that. We could subtly hint at it throughout and there's very magical things that happen to Sophie and around Sophie, especially towards the end of the movie, um, that are just as unexplained sometimes and very confusing, uh, that maybe he just thought this is just something that doesn't need to be. Sophie could be a normal girl, and this could be more around how her and uh, Hal's relationship grows and changes his life as well as her own. Ash? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was that important to include that. I mean, it just makes... Sophie more of an every woman, I guess, rather than someone who had these special gifts and happened to come across how. Um, from the sound of it, they changed. Miyazaki changed a lot about the book, apparently. The book focuses more on challenging class and gender norms, whereas the film focuses on love and personal loyalty and the destructive effects of war. So I, I don't think it, we lost that much with not including her having special powers of talking to hats. No. Well, yeah, I, I feel neither here or there about it because I think the movie works without it. And as I said, it's already got a lot going on. But I just always find it, like, I always wonder if ever he tried to write it with that in there or from the outset, you're like, you know what? I'll just try and uh, remove a big part of this from the book, what this character mm. has, which is yeah. making them be a witch. So just interesting point. Um, so in the, talk, getting into thematic breakdown a bit for this one, I had down... Maturity slash growing up and then facing your problems, not running away is the the main themes, I guess, I think uh, easy to take away for this, especially mostly to do with Hal, obviously, who is a, um, I mean, literally one of the key scenes in the movie is him being asked, summoned to the Queen's place, King's place, whatever. Like, yeah. was she? I king. don't know. It was a king. She it was, was like the King's this, place. She was his yeah, advisor. Yeah, she's just... Like yeah. the high mage or something. Yeah. So she get he gets summoned there, and because he cannot face his, he's afraid of her. He literally just sends her in his place, and he, he refuses. He he's getting asked by all these kingdoms to come join them in fighting the war. Every single kingdom. I get he's the like, feeling. Nah, no, I get, get the, the feeling that <laughs> I get the feeling it's the same kingdom asking him multiple times without knowing. No. No. Uh, it, I think All it's the doors two, are in different kingdoms. I thought it was like really? the two kingdoms, like the two kingdoms oh, that are okay. at war. He's like on both. He's being played by both sides, or getting uh, trying to get recruited from both sides. Yeah, and he's refusing to do anything. He's just trying to run away from mm. all of these problems, sort of thing. And how how as a character is just like I don't know how old he's supposed to be. Obviously, old. Um, all these witches and wizards are In the are description, old. it says a young wizard. 
No, no, no. He's not young. <laughs> nah, he could I, be. I, he's, he could be young and which in a wizard sense. As far as I'm concerned, he's, he might as well be 80. Um, they... He... No, he, I mean, he could be young. Like, but yeah, still... Like mid-20s, something like that? No. No. Why not? No. I just think Because I think part of his character is that he makes himself look to what he thinks is, quote-unquote, beautiful. He's dyeing his hair and everything and whatever else is going on. Well, you know, he gets upset about that sort of stuff. Yeah, but he's very, he is a character who's very, you know, he gets upset about the hair. He gets us, he's obsessed with his he's looks. Very, he's he's almost very vain when it comes to how he looks and stuff. And but that yes. becomes back to the fact that he's becoming a monster, but, you know, it's... Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah in, a, in a lot of ways, he, him and Sophie are a sort of weird Beauty and the Beast storyline mm. where um, he he is the beauty who's afraid of turning into the beast. She's already turned into what she considers a beast. And by the end of the movie, they both need to accept who they are and help each other so they can turn into the best versions of their normal yeah. selves. Can I say, she is like the quickest person to be transformed into like a something completely different to be like, you know what? Okay, cool. We're dealing with this situation. This is what we're going to do. Like, well, this is, we need to leave. We need to go work. Also, her mum is it? Is, it kind of is explained that she's working like kind of double agenting for the advisor, but her mum is just very like okay, just not shocked by her looking like a grandma, which obviously she's been told about and everything. Um, I will say, no, nah, she just the didn't one keep thing up that's always skincare routine, so yeah one of the things that i can never i never understand i always spend a lot of time when i'm watching this movie puzzling over is the exact rules around her curse about when she Mm. looks young and when she doesn't look young because i'm trying to figure it out at points where i'm like because it's not even just like it's very subtle sometimes her body shape is completely different but she's still old and sometimes she goes very short and there's no obvious like, oh, she's having a really loving, affectionate moment with Hal, so that's why she's turned like this. Sometimes it's just like, it just feels like sometimes they're just like, oh, we just kind of drew her like this because we wanted to. It's, I took it as, it's whenever she's like at her happiest or most comfortable in her life at any point, which is why she fully transforms back when she's sleeping because she's just kind of, you know, she's asleep, she's yep. calm, she's relaxed, she's, you know, centered or whatever. So she transforms back. And then there's other times throughout the movie where, yeah, she has subtle differences depending on how relaxed or happy she is. And that might, the, the happier she is, the less old she looks and the younger she looks. Uh, the more stressed she is, the that's when she's full old mode. And that sort of thing. Because in a lot of ways, they set her character up to be an old lady in a young lady's body from the start. You know, like she's the younger sister, but she's the most, she seems like the oldest. She's committed to this hat job where her, her younger sisters are, you know, out doing these other jobs. And they, they build her up to be this, this, you know, an old heart already, even at such a, a young age. So then to, to give her body, that's why I think she accepts it so fast, where it's because she's like, well, whatever. I was never good looking anyway. At least this way will just help me accept what how I felt on the inside type of thing. Because she always felt old anyway, I think. Um, I think the other interesting thing that is kind of, I did not pick up, I never realized this the first time I watched the movie. Um, probably because I was young at the time anyway. But the, the witch of the 
the waste. Waste. Because yes. it's very much like, why did very, she cast this spell? Very confusing um, character. Yeah. Well, <laughs> throughout it, the it, entire thing. The reason she casts the spell <clears throat> is because she it's literally out of jealousy. Yeah. Because if, if you pay attention, when she says she wants um, Hal's heart, I mean, she means that she wants, wants Hal to his love heart. Him. Yeah. Yeah. He wants her to, she wants Hal to love him, yeah. uh, love her. So when, when she sees Sophie with him, she literally just goes to her hat store, hat store and turns her into an old lady out of spite because she's like, how dare she's you? She's one of those ladies, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I never got any of this the first time I watched it when I was, you know, 14, 15, whatever. I never I, I very much was like, what the fuck was this lady's plan anyway? Especially by the point you by the point you get in the movie where she's turned old back to her actual true age, loses her powers, and now she's just this funny old lady patting the dog and being like, hey, doggy, and all this all this sort of stuff. You're like, what was the point of this character? Like, what was the the narrative here? <laughs> it's like like it's very weird. Like even the the section, um, like like Sophie never just outright dislikes this person. She's always like, kind of like, oh, you're annoying. I hate you for doing this to me. But also, I'm gonna cheer you as you're climbing up the stairs, and I want you to do this. And well, that's a that's a Miyazaki thing in general. The the bad guys are never truly bad, and the good guys are never truly. But like, it's just not. It's uh, for me. I was just very confused about why the good character was just so and like why they took her in immediately and then she clearly is still a bad person towards the end of the movie when she still tries to eat um house heart it's just very confusing and all over the place about what this character's arc is throughout this movie she was she got what she what she had a thing that she wanted the whole entire film right in her hands why else you know some people it's like a heroin addict who like suddenly gets given heroin after like years of not using it. It's like it's you're tempted very- there for a second. Her, her arc is no different to anyone else's in the movie in that it's all about everyone accepting their reality and facing their problems mm. and what they're running away from. And what she's running away from is her age and what who yes. she actually is and all these sorts of things. So although she doesn't get as big a narrative in that section as of course our main characters do that is her kind of through line which is the same for Hal and the same for Sophie like the whole movie is just about people accepting who they are and facing their problems and that's why I I honestly don't know in a lot of ways as weird as it sounds to say that this movie has so much going on and at times too much and the script's sort of a mess at times but it works it's also sort of the least thematic of I think Miyazaki's movies in that the only sort of themes of the movie are the two ones I've said I can't I don't think it has any other subtle themes at play it doesn't have even a small environmental message like his movies usually have in the past the movie is very much just like growing up facing your problems uh, maturing as a person yeah, grow, you know, like especially on how like grow the fuck up <laughs> be an adult you know like mm. that that seems to be the movie i I really don't can't pick up does uh you notice anything else ash like i think there are also like some anti-war elements to it uh obviously none of the characters want to be involved in the war at all they're kind of steer clear of all that kind of thing hal is obviously trying to avoid being in the fight at any costs uh apparently miyazaki was made this post the iraq war starting up and it's it's hard not to look at uh, uh solomon the witch as like dick cheney or something 
like someone pulling the strings of the wall the entire time, especially at the end when she pretty much can sort of click her fingers and the wall's over. End the wall. Yeah. So yeah. it. I mean, even in my mind, she might have even started the wall to start off with because Turnip turns into the prince at the end. Maybe she turned Turnip into the scare, Scarecrow. I think that, that's that started the war the entire time. So, yeah. you know, now he's suddenly coming back. War's over. Yeah, I think that was implied because pretty much as soon as she, she sees the prince is coming back, she's like, oh, well, time to end the war, I guess. Like, fun's over. Yeah. <laughs> but even with all that stuff you said, although I agree, I'm like, the movie doesn't really spend much time on the war stuff. It's just kind of happening in the background. And other than the fact that Hal's running from it, our characters have nothing to do with it. I mean, like, isn't, all that, do isn't is that what most it. people with the war is like? It's I like mean, this, thing, this kind, kind of, of thing. Towards the end of the movie, Hal forces himself to be involved with it. No, and he's been attacking things all through the movie, like on both sides. Like he's trying to be Switzerland, but more aggressive, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know? More aggressive, Switzerland. I think he's, he's just like, prying he's like, eye. He's Stone Cold Steve Austin, just... Stunning anybody just and everybody. Stunner and everybody. Just da na da na na na. Any other? Is there anything you picked up on, like thematic wise? Do you think of Miss Karen? Not, not particularly. Maybe even just the fact of, um, like not, like seeing past the appearance of something. Yeah. And seeing the potential in somebody despite their appearance. Um. Mm is very much the the case of it. And even with me saying about the Witch of the West being why um why is she like why is Sophie so kind of still supportive of this person even though they've turned her this way. I think it's because Sophie as a character can see the potential in somebody without seeing past while seeing past their kind of superficial output of everything. Um I think it's why she kind of gets so attached to how so quickly is because she can see the person beyond the um, amazing magic, like wizard that he kind of puts on beforehand, like uh, like superficially. Oh, she um, sees all of it though. That's why she tells. She's like, he's, you know, she basically says he's up himself, obsessed with himself, but <laughs> you know, deep down, he's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, says. yeah, and her her kind of moments of just uh, like throughout it is that she just sees beyond everybody, and I think that's uh, a message that it tries to tell, and I think. I think there are a lot of smaller messages in this movie, but because this movie is such a cluster of amazing like beauty, you just it just gets lost kind of in the overall picture of everything. Or there's just so many layers to it that you pick up something new every time you go back. Like, and like a turnip. Like, like, a, like, a, maybe. like a turnip. Like a turnip. Um, its stock uh, <laughs> goes up and down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and don't time travel because it'll rot. Yeah. They also want to note, I think this one has one of the best soundtracks of the mm-hmm. Ghibli mm. movies, as far as I'm concerned. Um, maybe the best. I don't know. Maybe I'll watch another one will replace it. But so far, I'd say this is probably the favorite for me. Um, look, Ash, favorite character and or moment from How's Movie Castle? I mean, it's hard to go past Sophie. I mean, she's pretty great. But uh, Calcifer is close second. I just love his <laughs> taunts and struggle with being kept alight and stuff. Um Favorite moments? I mean, her going up the stairs. I mean, <laughs> and both both talking shit and being supportive to the Witch of Waste uh, was, was a joy to behold. I think so. Yeah, that that has to be up there. Karen, 
Um, I think there's so many great characters in this movie that I could talk about in variety of you know mm. ways. I think I'll talk about the character that I think is probably the most like just kind of he's there, but he never really gets much in this movie, which is Markle. Yeah, I think it's kind of never explained why he's there or how he became House Apprentice or anything like that. It's just hey, he's got an apprentice called Markle. He has this really cool cloak that turns him into looking like an old man. Oh, I love that. Like, <laughs> like, he, and he looks so cool with it. And it's just so funny with just, especially like his initial interactions with Sophie. Yeah. Just with her being like, you know, who is this woman continually answering the door and trying to explain to her, hey, stop doing that. We need to, yeah. you know, it stop messing with the door. And just that moment of, um, like my favorite moment from Markle is, the fact that the moment where he stood trying to protect the upstairs to stop her from going upstairs to clean, and then she threatens him with his room, and he's just like, "We like, never find out what was in that room." <laughs> yeah, we never find out. But he's like, "Give me an hour so I can get rid of stuff and do it myself." And it's, it's just such a, like, yeah, it's such a like a yeah. uh, a realistic kind of thing where, as a kid, you hear your parents are going to clean, and you're like. Oh God! Like let me let me do my like fix stuff in my room or put stuff away or stuff that I'll get yelled at. You know, like uh, it's um, it's just really funny and and I think you could talk about many of the individual characters having these kind of shining moments. And I think even though narratively the characters don't might not get much like Markle doesn't, I think every character has their moments to kind of shine or grow a place of interest in somebody's heart that's watching. Um, it's uh, it's very interesting, and I think, and even just a very minor point, I was looking at reading through everything. I think this is definitely the points where the casting, especially on the western side, that we haven't watched the dub, but the English side gets very interesting with stuff like Christian Bale plays Hal in the the western dub for this. So it's like, crap, you're starting getting like bigger actors as part of these movies as well now. So, yeah, so I I've obviously watched the first time, the first couple of times I've ever watched this movie. Oh, in dubbed. This is my first time I've watched it uh, in the original subbed. language with yeah. subs. And I would, if I was to rewatch it again, I would just watch it dubbed, honestly. I think that the Christian Bale has a fantastic performance as Hal. And although I, I, I'm liking committing to the, the sub just for the sake of this podcast to watch them all in their, the original language and everything, and that, that's a good Next idea season. and I'm enjoying doing it that that's fun. Yeah, next season we watch them all <laughs> dubbed. dubbed. What a funny <laughs> idea. Um, but, you know, 100% if I would suggest for people to watch this one dubbed now that I've watched both. Uh, yeah, the, the dubbed version is great. Christian Bale's performance as Hal is fantastic. And that's one of the things that always stands out to me about this movie. Because it was oh. right before he was recording Batman. And it's a <laughs> lot of Batman in the performance, as weird as that sounds for that character. But, like, especially when Hal uh, turns into the, like, beast form, it just sounds yeah. like Batman. Yeah. Very much that. He very much does that. Like, pretty, I'm not even exaggerating. It's exactly that sort of thing. I, um, yeah. I'd be interested to go back and watch it with the dub because, obviously... In the dub, they've got two different actresses playing Sophie, one playing uh, yeah. the younger version and one playing the older version. And seeing how that... Whereas in the Japanese version, it's just the same actress the entire film. So to But I think the same sire, actress has enough range that you could tell she's the old one if you were to close your eyes while watching it. Yeah, probably. Like, like speech patterns and that was. kind of thing, yeah. 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 Um, so, my yeah, favourite character, Sophie, I think 
you know, obviously I think she's standard. Because the, the great thing about Sophie is it's really just two characters in once, like two sort of characters, caricatures uh, from that Ghibli has in several of their movies usually, which is kind of, it fits the sweet old lady plus also the the young girl that you're, you know, the hero of the story type thing. Like it, it's literally kind of both in one. Mm. So it has a, a lot going for it. the continuing trope of them cutting their hair short towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's happened that, like three or four times. That represents, you know, cutting your, uh, you know, the baggage of your, the, yeah. your life. Um, hair is baggage. That's why everybody's yeah, yeah. desperate for haircuts at the moment. Damn right I'm desperate for a haircut. Um, so they, my favourite scene though is the one in the throne room or whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, once they've climbed up the steps or whatever. What The garden room? Fuck, yeah. I don't know. Whatever room they're talking the, the in there. The conservatory. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, that whole thing, when Hal shows up, everything <laughs> from that sequence to from when Hal shows up to when they start floating in the sky and like the water takes on and then you got all the floating like stardust and explosions and that's where my favourite piece of music kicks in where it's got this little like Heim part that comes in with these voices being like, ooh, dude. like, you know, some like operatic type shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that whole sequence. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with some operatic type shit. <laughs> uh, that whole sequence is just beautifully animated, though. It's great to look at and it sounds great. It's just this sort of epic moment where they're just standing there and Hal's just dead-eyeing across the way and Sophie's there trying not to freak out or look down and uh, Wicked West of the West is like trying not to fall to her, her doom and then they eventually jump on that ship and take off. Like that whole sequence I, I just think is great to watch and adventurous uh, uh, adventurous part of the the movie and also very similar i think that part when i start getting on the flying craft and everything else and all that just makes me because we watched it you know like a month or two ago whenever it fucking falls in all these movies starting to blend together but castle in the sky uh, uh yeah so you mean the like, first you know, episode the first one like, like the first episode 14 weeks first ago episode. very yeah. first episode a month or weeks? two ago you know yeah, the like complete three months <laughs> <laughs> anyway so that's my favorite. Another story. example of Miyazaki's love for like flying stuff. Oh yeah, he loves. Flying. Oh, his the uh, the vehicle design in this uh, movie is really cool. Like they're just really interesting and different. Um, well, I mean, just the castle. The castle. You count that as a Freaking vehicle. Yes. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it's it's very it's very cool. Um, and even just just a minor point on just attack on that section where they they eventually get the flying machine going and they're escaping. And just how, just realizing that they've got two extra people with them, like they've got this dog, <laughs> just being, like, like just realizing it's like, ah, uh, good, good, job. great dog as well. Also, that dog, the fact that that dog showed it could fly after she had carried it up those freaking stairs, I was like, <laughs> mm, perfect, Dick dog, excellent, double crossing dog, yeah, great dog, dick and dog, come on, dog, um. I'll do it. So that is Animated Wonder number 14, Howl's Moving Castle. So that was 13 weeks ago. We talked about Castle's guy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You can let us know on the Twitters what you thought of the film. You can follow all of our Twitters by heading to explosionnetwork.com slash Twitter. Next week's film is Tales from Earth Sea. So make sure you watch that film before next week's episode releases and come back here to hear us talk about it then. Boy. (laughs) 